Welcome to the Bad Romance Podcast. I'm Jordan Searles. And I'm Bronwyn Isaac. And this week, we looked at the Netflix original film. <laughs> I almost said it like Disney original film. Like, Dis- like it's Disney not a real film. The Disney <laughs> Channel original film. <laughs> the Disney Channel original film. Okay. Motocross. Uh, I mean. I wish. I, w- I wish too. Um, the Netflix film, the film made by Netflix, Naked, starring Marlon Wayans, directed by... Michael Titus? Titus? Not sure, but he's definitely like a Marlon Wayne's dude because if you look at his filmography, he also directed A Haunted House, A Haunted House 2, and Fifty Shades of Black. So this is this is Marlon Wayne's guy here. <laughs> like they hang. That is, they are they're dudes. And the screenplay was written by three people. Corey Kohler, Rick Alvarez, and Marlon Wayans. And it's based on a Swedish film. <laughs> wow. Yes, a 2000 Swedish comedy. That I'm is what it is based on. I'm curious to see on. that version, too. Yeah, you know what was interesting is while we were watching it... Um, my boyfriend was just like, the sweetest version has to be better, right? And then my roommate was just like, why do you assume it's better just because it's Swedish? Right? <laughs> yeah, it's like that. It's like a reverse elitism from Americans who like film. <laughs> That's like, well, Amer- the American version is definitely not as good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, probably not. Uh, so, um, naked. <laughs> naked. I mean... Let's be real. With that title, there's only really two ends of the spectrum the film can sit on. Um, It's either going to be a very serious, soul-searing film, or it's going to be something that feels like it needs to be called exactly what it is yeah you know it's weird um because like uh at first we thought oh it's groundhog's day but naked and like i guess maybe like um i mean the swedish film came out in 2000 that's after the release of groundhog's day so who's to say that the that the um the swedish film wasn't playing on groundhog's day but i have noticed that recently we're doing this groundhog's day thing a lot like not just with naked but last year there was a film called before i fall that was that was that was playing on the groundhog day thing and they there's a movie coming out this Halloween called Happy Death Day, which is doing the Groundhog Day thing. Happy Death Day is just like a woman who keeps on waking up, a, a, not a woman, a te- well, a college student. So, I mean, a, not a girl, not yet a woman, um, wakes up on her birthday every day and then she gets killed. And so she basically just like keeps up waking on her birthday and has to like, I guess, solve her murder and stop from being killed. So it's just like, we just keep doing this. And like the plot of naked is essentially, um, Marlon Wayans is marrying Regina Hall and she's way out of his league, obviously. Um, and he, and he keeps on like waking up on his wedding day naked in an elevator over and over and over again and he keeps missing the wedding. So that's that's the plot of naked. Which I mean, wow, right? I mean, you're on board, aren't you? <laughs> that's 
Okay, so here's the thing. Here's the thing, too, about Marlon Wayans. Like, lately, he's been very much of a punchline to the point where, like, everybody hates him, mostly because of stuff like A Haunted House, A Haunted House, Two Fifty Shades of Black, and a lot of other random shit that he's been doing lately post the heyday of Scary Movie, where people just act like he's shitty. Like, he has a sitcom um, out where he plays, like, a divorced dad with, like, Essence Atkins, and I've heard, like... Most people tell me that it's shit. And then one person who I saw, I'm, I spoke to on Twitter who actually worked on the show says that it's a good show and that he doesn't understand why everybody says that it's a bad show, except that everybody hates Marlon Wayans now. And that wasn't always true. It definitely wasn't, especially considering that Marlon Wayans was really, really good in Darren Aronofsky's Requiem for a Dream. You hear that sigh? You, you know how I feel about Darren Aronofsky. Especially this week, because you uh, just, for oh. those who don't realize, uh, <laughs> Jordan just saw Mother. So there's there's a lot of Aronofsky-fueled feelings going on right now. Oh, my God. And I couldn't even... I'll save I'll save talking about Mother for another time. If, if ever on this podcast again. Like, if we ever do, like, a random episode where we just decide we're just going to be hanging out and just shooting the breeze. Um, Which only <laughs> exclusively in that voice. Both of us will have that <laughs> voice. Uh, finally, got to let my hair down. It's, like, almost an offensive southern accent. Like, but Which is weird because I'm from the south. But also, like, totally, like, a cartoon character. I don't know. But yeah, I, I yeah, love that voice. Based on, like, a cartoon yokel character. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah what, I'm, what I'm saying is that Marlon Wayans can act. He was great in Requiem for a Dream as much as anybody can be in that depressing film. And I've, I used to watch the Wayans Brothers all the time. I used to, like, that theme song is iconic. We're brothers, we're happy and we're singing and we're colored. Give me a high five. Like, it's... That's an iconic theme song for black people anyway. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's total like satire on the Andrews sisters. Yeah. And it's yeah. And they both like were and it's great because it's like Marlon and Sean and they're both and they're they both have afros <laughs> and they just look so like reasonably dressed like they're like part of the Cosby kids. The Wayne's Brothers was great. OK, it was great. But I don't know what's been happening with him lately. What what are your thoughts on that? I, I mean, like, this is this is me such an annoyingly blanket statement assessment, but I, I feel this way about a lot of a lot of actors and writers who you start off, especially comedic ones. You, at first, you're you're super on board, and they make a lot of really great stuff. And then there's this point where it feels like everything they touch is just bleakly corny, and like. Obviously, it doesn't matter how famous or experienced or artistic you are. Like, everyone's going to make something that later they're like, ooh. So I want to give grace to that. But I also do feel like there's a point sometimes where comedic actors get so famous and rich that they just... Uh, I hate I hate to say the stereotype, but, like, there's not there's almost not enough struggle, like, just, like, to get things made. There's not enough that, like, that struggle and critique that to create good ideas. Yeah, yeah and I, and I mean, a you lot know, when you're still proving yourself, like you have to workshop. And also, when like let's be real, when you have more, obviously, money is not solve all problems. But when you have like a more of a myriad of struggles and problems, and you interact with people who aren't just like 
millionaires, like you're going to have more textured ideas. And I, I think that that's part of what's happening with him. Yeah. I mean, it's very much like, and I don't know, I don't know how black folks are going to feel about this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Marlon Waits has kind of become the black Adam Sandler. And I, okay. <laughs> I was not going to say that because I did not feel it was my place. But as you know, I critique Adam Sandler. And, uh, I, mean, I, I felt that. Yeah. And I mean, especially since it's on Netflix, which like Netflix has decided that it is going to become the permanent host of all of Adam Sandler's movies, with the exception of shit like Pixels, who that actually got like full theatrical releases. But like, you know. I think it's been uh, I I remember I I remember reading something where someone said uh, the great thing about Netflix is that you can make those mid-level films that like aren't super indie and aren't super big budget that used to exist a lot in the 90s. And of course, when you think of stuff like that, you think about Marvin's Room, you think about This Boy's Life, you think about Basketball Diaries, you think about King of the Hill, like you think about stuff. Like, you, you think about good stuff that just was on, like, a lower budget. Like, what's eating Gilbert Grape? Um, Netflix is doing that. But it almost feels like Netflix should devote more time to that and less time to giving guys that can't get big budget comedies made and then putting them on Netflix. Because there's a reason why we don't have this. There's a reason why Joe Dirt 2 is available on Crackle. Like, because the people don't want it. And I don't think that the people wanted naked. I don't think so either. I don't know who it would be for, honestly. I was, that was one of my questions. And that's one of the questions that I've asked myself throughout this whole podcast. And obviously... You know, you can easily say, okay, all of the movies we review are at least on some level romantic. Most of them are romantic comedies. Um, so, you know, target demo is people who like romantic movies. Yeah, and I mean, you romantic know? movies have fallen out of fashion a lot, except for like, you know, um, Reese Witherspoon's Home Again, which we should really go see together. Yes. Because <laughs> that's, that's a very rare thing because you, you we're finding less and less rom-coms are showing up on the big screen it's true if anything there's like there are comedies that have a little bit of romance but they're very much the romance is like a, an aside and i i i embrace that i mean obviously i do like good rom-coms i wouldn't i wouldn't do this podcast if i didn't think this genre actually had good good films and that there wasn't something there but i yeah with naked it just felt it just, it just felt, it didn't feel like it did anything like it felt like everyone was phoning it in, especially Marlon Waynes, who once again can act. But in this movie, he is actively not. Well, acting. he's such a caricature, like his his whole like his dude is like, you know, the lovable slacker. That's like his personality. And and then, of course, oh my he's God, got the that, shenanigans that. of like being stuck in the elevator and like he's good, like. I, I felt like he overacted, you know, and like obviously the plot is absurd, so it's not like he's going to do a brooding job. That's not what I wanted, but I felt like, no, you're funny and this is totally a role you would be good in. But like, it's just it's so slapstick. Um, yeah, and it's it's too slapstick. It was too honestly. yeah because like, it, because it take because the slapstick takes up a lot of time. And the thing about like romance is unfortunately uh, I hate to say this, but you know you know it's obviously seen as like a chick genre. So let's so let's roll with that for a second. What women 
would want to see their man. <laughs> like somebody, if we're watching this, we're supposed to want to be with Marlon Wayans. Are we supposed to consider that maybe we could consider being with Marlon Wayans, especially at the end? What is attractive about a person who is just doing all of this shit? I had the same, like, I haven't seen all of Fifty Shades of Black from what I've seen is just like, like, there's a way for a black Fifty Shades of Grey to be really interesting if you lean into the whole black thing and, like, what would black people do in this situation? Like, that's an interesting question. What I found out was that it was just a lot of slapstick. And it's just, like, you can... It doesn't need that. We're already interested in seeing a, a, bl a black male character starring in a rom-com just trying to do the right thing and marry this girl who, who he's been dating for seven years. Did you catch that? He's oh, been yeah. dating so, Regina Hall for seven is, years. And she, okay, also, like, the first <laughs> scene is him. He's a, a substitute teacher. And it's, like, him substitute teaching. Oh, and he's really bad at and it. And he's really bad at it. And, like, he gets in this argument with this kid. With this white, with this this white, white kid, kid with glasses. He's very, like, stereotypical, just kind of, like... What an asshole. Like, this, of, this, this dude... The kid is just kind of, like, just, a nerd, you know? Like, a little bit annoying, but, like, yeah, he's a teenager. Yeah, it's, but like... But Marlon, like, has beef with him, which like, I thought was hilarious. But I was, like, what? You're yeah, a teacher. Yeah, really what? mean to There was, like, an kid. ego thing there where he... Where basically Gonna, you're not, he tells this kid that he's not gonna get laid until he's 35. Why are you talking to kids? Like I was like, that? that's like, like hella inappropriate. That's like sexual harassment. Yeah. Honestly, like, and then all the other kids kind of laugh, but I also felt maybe I was reading too. deep. I'm sure I was. I'm always reading too deep into it, but uh, I felt like the other kids also felt uncomfortable, like because. I mean, yeah, high school, junior high kids are shitty, but there's still people who are who understand like propriety and like this is not what our teacher should be saying. Yeah, and it was um, like they were trying to set him up as like a cool teacher when he's like, what he's doing, what he was doing also was was like comparing the Lord of the Flies to Catcher in the Rye, which like false <laughs> equivalent central. Like, there's just so many things there, and it was also just like the most cliche. Like, let's just pick two of the most like I'm not saying he should have picked really obscure books, but let's pick one of the most obvious you know two of the most obvious high school junior high reading list books that don't have parallels except that they have young men oh, and yeah, then like it, it was basically <laughs> just like oh i like lord of the flies because like it's more of a hard book when there's like fighting and it's like no that's not that's not even like good analysis like lord of the flies is so much about like imperialism and toxic masculinity and catcher in the rye is about like a of a white guy who like thinks that he's disenfranchised he's like like it like in a way, like there's you could find an overlap with like toxic masculinity if you were really smart, but his character isn't that smart. So <laughs> And it was also a bummer because like I didn't want to not like Marlon Wayans. You know, like I don't have an agenda against him. I mean, like you were saying earlier, like a lot of people do. And like I haven't seen Fifty Shades of Black and I so like and like I I have a different experience with him, I'm sure. But, like, I I don't... I didn't go into this movie, like, ah, fuck this guy. But the way he was written was just so annoying. Like, I just didn't like him. He was... He, it was very, yeah, it was like slacker guy who thinks that he's like smarter and tougher, but also like he got offered to work full time 
at the at the school and they're like, yeah, we have a teacher out. And he's like, oh, man, I don't know. I only want to like, do a few I days a week. I don't want to commit. Like, it's essentially what like, he said. He's and just I was a thinking, dick. Like, I was thinking, oh, he's going to have a project, you know, like he's a musician or he has something. Like, I was, I, I had f- enough faith in him that I was like, he's, there's surely a reason. And it was just like, no, he just didn't want to work full time. And I was, and his, I of mean, course, like, Regina Hall is a doctor, you know, and she's gorgeous and amazing. And I was like, ugh. Why? <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird. It's it's weird that he's like this. Not just because like it's irresponsible. Number one, the way that he talks to to the like that white kid and that and that white principal. The way that he talks to white people in this movie is wild. Like you would not do that. <laughs> it's it's like I couldn't even imagine. Like you know how hard it is for like black teachers to get like positions in like predominantly white schools. Like I wouldn't. That's not something that you fuck around with. But he just like doesn't give a fuck. And I think it's weird. Also, I'm sure that that kid's that white kid's parents who he was mouthing off to could easily like come in and make a whole big stink out of it. But he doesn't care. Um, And he's also middle aged. So (laughs) middle. Yeah. Marlon Wayans looks really good for his age. But yes, he is middle aged. Yeah. This isn't about like they're supposed to be in their 30s in the movie. Like, and they're not, it's not like he's supposed to be 25, you know, and doing this, which wouldn't make it like cooler, yeah. but it would make it a little more like, yeah, yeah well. Yeah, it's clear they're supposed to be in their 30s because I realized that the, the um, um, Dennis Haysbert, who plays Regina Hall's dad, is like only 17 years older than her. <laughs> <laughs> I realized that I was like, yeah, I'm like, did he have her in high school? Right. <laughs> that was what I was thinking the whole time. That's so funny. Because, like, because, and also just, like, because, like, I mean, he's 63. Regina Hall, I think, is, like, she's, like, in her, like, later end of 40s. Like, I kind of was, like, I feel bad, but I was kind of thinking of, like, what it would be like if, like, uh, of Mr. Allstate and Regina Hall together. (laughs) It was very Her and her dad? Yes! I was just, like... That is really funny. I would rather be watching that couple, and now I feel weird. Well, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you wanted to watch those actors. Yeah. You didn't want there to be a weird incest thing. Yeah, no, I didn't know. I didn't, like, oh, just run off like, with your oh, dad. Oh, yeah, let's but, just like, really just, freak this movie up. It's just it's just so weird. I mean, like, because uh, oh, Regina Hall, she's just been... Regina Hall, man, like I'm, I'm, I'm happy about Girls Trip because I always get excited when she stars and stuff. I wish that she got to do more funny stuff in Girls Trip because, like... You know, she deserves. But, like, Regina Hall has been, like, she... I was watching Love and Basketball the other day, and Regina Hall was there. Regina Hall's in at least the first two scary movies, maybe the third one. Like, this is a woman who has been putting... This is a well-trained actress who has been putting in her time in silly movies... For a while, and I just want better for her. So seeing her in Naked actually broke my heart, especially after seeing her in Girls Trip this summer. I'm just like, she deserves better than this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this really upsets me. I was like, ah. Uh, it was also like interesting because it was one of the few movies we've done where the guy was the protagonist. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, like, later on, we're going to do that awkward moment. So we're going to have another chance for a guy to be the protagonist. Yeah. And I think that's important, you know, obviously that we mix that up. But and I, again, like I didn't it was hard for me to tell because I've gotten annoyed. I, I haven't liked most of the people in the movies we've watched. And that's part of the whole point, of course, is that they're bad movies. Um but, you know, a lot of the female protagonists I haven't liked either. But 
I liked him less than. Okay, so the last protagonist we had, I just couldn't connect with at all. Yeah, I couldn't connect with her. And I could connect with him more um, because he reminds me of more people I know. Yeah. But that it was weird because I could connect with her less. I could connect with him more. He felt more like a real person, even though he was being cartoonish. Um, Yeah, because Regina Hall, like Regina Hall is like a great actress, but she's also playing a doctor that wants to marry a substitute teacher who ain't shit. So I'm just like, who are you? <laughs> what is yeah, this? I wanted to see why <laughs> she was with him. Like, I know that that wasn't the point of the movie, except like, I mean, it kind of was at the end, but I wanted to know, like, what was it? Because she, I think the if it was like, was, oh, he's cute and charismatic. I'm like, yeah, sure. But like, there's a lot of people who are, who like will work a full-time job. Yeah. Like, I wonder <laughs> like, if like, maybe like they were together when she was in med school. Like, cause you can imagine like somebody, I, I know that it happened with me when I was getting my graduate degree where it's just like, you're doing higher, you're doing like coursework that's taking up all of your time so when you want to be with someone you want to be with someone fun that's not going to stress you out and i feel like if there was any in for marlon waynes that would be the in oh she needs a clown at your service yeah (laughs) but it was interesting because there was her ex there you know oh my god scott foley (laughs) yeah scott foley was her ex that was a whole Okay, I, okay, I so you, like don't, you don't watch Insecure, right? No, I don't. Okay, so Insecure has um has has a fake slavery show that's kinda like a mix of like underground and um and scandal where Regina Hall plays a slave. Like this is a show that they watch on Insecure. Regina Hall plays a slave who is in love with her master, who is played by Scott Foley. <laughs> oh wow (laughs) oh man so that was like a deep reference there yeah like that is some shade right there okay that's i didn't yeah yeah oh my that that fake show oh my god it's it's great there's there's great there's great scenes and you get to see promos from it too and there's one promo where somebody's just like i hate slavery Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I wonder if it's just they were working together on Insecure and they were just like, they were all just like hanging out like pals. Just like, hey, Scott, want to be in this thing? Right? Do you want to be another bad white guy? Do you want to be another, like, a bad white guy? Which, can we talk about how... Okay, so basically, um, Dennis Haysbert, you know, that's all state stand. Are you in good hands? Um, Is a is does not want Regina Hall to marry Marlon Wayans because he's a slacker. And I agree with him. Um, (laughs) But uh, he really, really wants Regina Hall to be with Scott Foley, who is her ex. And I was, I, I remember turning to my partner and being like, what kind of science fiction tale is this where a black dad really wants her black daughter to be with this white man? Okay. What universe are we on? I thought the same on? thing, too. <laughs> I was like, maybe I'm really, like, maybe I'm really ignorant. You know, like, I, I was like, because I was thinking that, too. I was no, like, it doesn't make this any just sense. doesn't really make sense to me. He, I mean, he has more like, money, but He so has what? more money, but he's an asshole. Like, there's no, like... <laughs> You know, like, and obviously the dad seems to care a lot about the money, but it seems like the dad would also be like, well, my daughter's in love. Yeah. And like, this is a black guy and he'll understand certain things this white guy won't. But instead he's just like, nah, dates got fully. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh yeah. And we should um, mention the other main white person in this cast played by Happy Endings <laughs> and the last season of Scrubs that nobody talks about, Eliza Coop. 
<laughs> is in is in here. Eliza Coop also um, is like because like should I just say the twist of the movie? We'll, we'll yeah, get to we it. we we give spoilers away. We give spoilers People know away. That. Okay, so like basically, um, you know, the 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 plot of the the plot of the movie, as I said, is that he keeps on waking up um naked in an elevator over and over and over again, and basically you, f- and he spends a lot of the time like going. He basically, you know, he keeps on trying stuff. Like whenever he's out of, whenever he gets out of the elevator, like he just goes on all these adventures where he's trying to figure out like how he got there, what to, how to get close. Like it starts small. It's like how to get clothes. And then it's like how he got there. How do I get to my room? How do I get to the hotel? How do I get to the wedding? Like it kind of like progresses in a very screenplay like way where each time he wakes up in the elevator, he has more information. So he's able to do more. So obviously, um, and the main mystery, once he starts, once he figures out clo- where she figures out the clothes, the hotel, the church and all the stuff that he needs to figure out to get to the wedding, the main mystery becomes who is the reason why I get stuck in this elevator. Like, cause first he's like, oh, I just blacked out. But no, he was just like, no, this seems really deliberate. So he's just like, who would, who would do this to me? And you basically figure out that Eliza Coop did it. And what's funny about that is, um, Eliza Coop was on this great ABC show called happy endings. That was really, really mishandled in my opinion. Her character, uh, was married to Damon Wayne's jr. <laughs> on that show oh wow there's a lot of deep cuts in this movie (laughs) yeah it was just like and they were just like this like interracial couple and like it wasn't even like nobody talked about it they made jokes about it all the time and they were like they were also just like obsessed with each other and constantly like fucking in bathrooms and just like being inappropriate like they're the only healthy couple on happy endings and they're constantly trying to have sex with each other um and it's really really great Happy Endings is a great show. Watch it on Hulu. Um, it was can- it was canceled. <laughs> Hulu but sponsored it- this episode. <laughs> Hulu sponsored Just by Hulu. Just kidding. Please send us but money. Yeah, so like Eliza Coop, when I saw her, I was like, okay, so this is a this is somebody who like I've watched um, like make out and have sex with Marlon Wayans' relative on TV. <laughs> so I was already just like, I think I know why she's here. <laughs> um. Which, I mean, there are worse things to be known for, honestly. Oh, constantly being in love with the Waynes on things? Why not? The Waynes are like a beautiful family. They're just like full of handsome fucking people. Um, But yeah, you figure out that she did it for really dumb reasons that we'll get into later. Let's talk about his adventures, his adventures um, escaping the elevator. Yeah, so... Oh, so he wakes up the first time he's naked. So, oh, I think I think this is important. The first shot that the last shot that happens before he wakes up in the elevator is his friend, his best man, who's like, you know, the solid dude of the movie, who's not like the patriarchally protective dad or the slacker. Uh, the solid dude of the movie is like, hey, are you sure you want to drink tonight? Like, you know, maybe we should lay low. So you you're all good for the wedding. And then he's like like no like let's go and then and then it it switches shots and then he wakes up in the elevator and he's naked mm-hmm. and 
Of course, he's confused. He goes to the front desk. He thinks he has a room there, but he's actually in a different hotel than the one he was supposed to stay at. And naturally, since he's naked and he doesn't know where his clothes are, you know, when you're naked, you can't really, like, get clothes or cabs or anything that you need because people are like, uh, what? why are you naked? So uh, security gets called on him. He gets caught in a crowd. Shenanigans ensue. Slowly... Um, he begins, he, he doesn't even realize that he's late at this point. I think, I think then he calls his friend, right? And his friend, and he's like, Hey man, I need you to come get me from this hotel. Like I'm naked. I woke up and, and his friend's like, Hey, you weren't in your room. Um, also I'm on stage at your ceremony and it's pretty much already happening, but you're not here, which is, you know, nightmare scenario. Yeah. Yeah. That's when he figures out that that like he misses that he's missing the wedding. That's, that's kind of when he, cause first he kind he's kind of just like middling around and doing a bunch of dumb shit. And then around that time he realizes, Oh shit, I'm missing my wedding each time. Um, one of the dumbest things though, that he does is he spends a very long time talking to Brian McKnight. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Okay. I texted my boyfriend. I could not talk him into watching this with me. AJ, if you're listening, um, (laughs) I'm calling you out. Uh, um, But I texted him immediately when Brian McKnight was on the movie. I was like, somehow Brian McKnight is here. Like everything is horrible and this is completely unnecessary, but it's also hilarious. Um, yes, Brian, Mc- just, Brian McKnight is in so much of this movie, like he, more he than is, I would have like, ever is, thought he would be. He actually has, I feel like he has more screen time or equal screen time as Regina Hall. Oh yeah. 100%. Like, I agree. Um, <laughs> yeah. He's just, it's, it's like Marlon runs into him basically and is like, whoa, you're Brian McKnight. I think the first time he is fully naked, the next few times as he's reliving the di- day, he's, he's better and more resourceful about getting clothes and he revisits Brian McKnight each time but he basically tells Brian McKnight what happens and Brian is like the only person who believes and knows throughout all of the repetitive days yeah it's 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 really it's interesting so weird. How it's just like it's just like and they really got like Brian like later when like later in the movie when the wedding actually does happen Brian McKnight sings at the reception I was like wow when you get Brian McKnight you get Brian McKnight like he is in oh yeah this like movie. he he's like he's Brian McKnight the the musician the human being like he is full in like he's Aging acting very but he's well looks oh yeah very handsome. total babe total babe um it, it's yeah it's it, <laughs> Brian McKnight is like one of the main friends that he makes the other friend that he makes well first he gets beaten up by them but he makes friends with a bunch of bikers including like the main biker who is um Tia Maori's husband <laughs> which I was like good to see him getting work glad glad to see him but yeah he first gets like beaten up by some bikers and then like at some point in a in a sequence that i don't understand they teach him how to dance oh yeah because like so one of the things you know adding to his slacker persona is he hasn't written vows because he's just gonna you know wing it because that's what you do i guess when you're so great and he doesn't want to do the dance he doesn't want to do like a traditional dance. So he's, he, you know, he makes jokes about like, oh, I know how to dance, you know, like club dancing. Um, and, and like, I don't want to do any of this bullshit wedding stuff, which like that would be totally valid, obviously, if him and Regina were both like, yeah, we don't want that. But the whole, the whole thing is that they've agreed on that and he isn't actually prepared. So, so, <laughs> so this group of bikers teaches him in like a kind of montage. 
Uh, yeah, these these are very very sensitive bikers. And oh, oh, also at the time, my partner turned to me and asked, "Are there black bikers?" And I said, "Yes, yes, there are. We just never hear about them because bikers have been synonymous in media, specifically for white trash, and that's not necessarily true. There are other races of bikers. Actually, um, Sons of Anarchy." taps on this a little bit with there was there are the mayans which are the latino bikers which were supposed to get a spinoff but they didn't and then there's the black bikers who's i can't remember what they were called but yes black bikers exist they they're real <laughs> <laughs> just so you know <laughs> it's not that that was not a fictionalized part like there is yeah the existence i mean of these i think people. they're supposed to be in south carolina they're supposed to be in sh- Charleston, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, they are. Yeah, I don't think that there are bikers in Charleston. That is incorrect. Actually, I'm pretty, and I'm pretty sure this movie was shot in Los Angeles because it does not look a thing like Charleston. No, none of it is trying to. Which, which is like, why did you make it there? Yeah, but exactly. Like, why even, why even say that you're going to Charleston? Just say that just you're say it's in California. Yeah, just say that you're. I mean, I guess it's because like California is all across the country, but it's like you're. They're getting in a plane anyway. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh so we didn't mention the plane thing, <laughs> where he, where he's late. He's late to get on his plane because oh he my was gosh, playing this the is like lottery. the second scene. Um, because he was, you find out later that he was doing it because he was playing the lottery like a dipshit, and he shows up and he can't get on the plane, and then he just like grabs the mic, um, from the flight person and is just like, I will do nasty, unspeakable things to get on this plane, and he's just honestly, he's just lucky enough that Regina Hall was there because he would have gotten taken away by security. Yeah, I'm like, that's a good way for the airport to say that you are a terrorist. Yeah, <laughs> like, like it was, it was such a weird thing. But anyway, and yeah. I mean, again, that plays into his like the confidence of his character. Yeah, which if it wasn't if he wasn't annoying would be attractive, but it's not because it's just like childish. Yeah, once again, I have to say that he could have done this movie and he could have just been a regular guy. Yeah, he could like and I it would have been better. I don't know why I I don't know why he did it the way he did it. Like and and there because there was like a stacked cast. Um, yeah, everybody. You know, Brian McKnight was there. Hello. Brian McKnight was there. Like, I, you know, Dennis Haysbert was there. Eliza Coop there. Like, Eliza Coop's, like, a really funny actress. Scott Foley's really funny actor. Like, Loretta Devine played his mom, and she was amazing. Oh, my God. Every second that oh, she Loretta was, Devine was on screen. She was, okay, she was my favorite. <laughs> she was my she favorite, She would just, like, too. talk about, like hooking up with Rick James and then like she would sing she like one of the bit running bits was like her oversharing about her past sex life yes. um with Marlon and she'd just be like oh it was a different time oh yeah back when I was with this guy and like she was just so funny oh my god um, I love I, I loved she had her more and I loved time. how like I loved her like come to the wedding because your mom just won't stop singing whatever I was like let her sing forever it's <laughs> yeah I was opinion. like please oh yeah yeah his best man like at one point they're on the phone and he's like yeah your mom won't stop seeing it's so embarrassing so much gospel and i was just like uh i love it <laughs> no she's she's great and she actually provides one of the best because for some reason all of the emotional moments between regina hall and marlon wayne's fall flat and i blame marlon wayne's entirely for this but um loretta divine is like such a powerful actress and like such a veteran that like the episode the, the the scene with um where she tells Marlon Wentz to stop getting in your own way. I had to learn. I got in my own way. I had to learn to stop getting out of my own way. 
that's actually a great scene. And it is 100% because Marlon Wayans is quiet and just lets Loretta Divine talk. <laughs> Which I think really could speak to men in general. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, just let, let, let women talk. Just listen to our podcast. Let us speak. Um, and it, it it's really weird to me, too, that that Loretta Divine got these great lines and oh, Dennis Haysburg gets some great lines too. Regina Hall doesn't get any she got, good lines. I was so mad on her behalf. I was like, there's all these side characters that get to say way more fun, funny, or even because just deep Because she's like the stuff. prize. She's well, be, I mean, like again, it's prize. like one of the problems of a lot of rom-coms, even the, even the ones where the woman is like the main character is like that, when the the one the woman who was desired is always just like perfect you know like like she's beautiful she's smart she has this she's really nice that's great what yeah. else you know we're like what where's the texture in there you know yeah, like we all know people who fit those that, that like that uh description but also are interesting yeah and when anyone asks regina hall uh, like, what do you see in him? And even when Marlon Wayne asks, what do you see in me? She doesn't ever give a good answer. No, it's just like, we're in love. That's what matters, which is like, ooh, that's always a red flag. Because I'm like, yeah, but it's complicated, right? Because like, we've be all been in love with shitty people. Like, it kind of puts <laughs> like, like a, it kind of puts like a gross, like, filter onto the movie because it really seems like Regina Hall is settling for Marlon Wayans. And, and that's one of the running, yeah, and that's like one of the running themes. And like, you're just waiting for her to, like, give you a reason that you're wrong you know like you but like she doesn't really she's just like no i like him and it's like okay well we've all been there but like that doesn't mean you're not settling and everything that he learns is from this cosmic having to repeat things like and it takes him so many tries to do it right and he wastes so much time that even when he does finally get it and that the wedding actually happens and that you get to the reception i still the change that has occurred in him does not feel permanent to me. No, it feels like relief, not change. You know, it feels like, oh, phew, I'm here. Oh, my gosh, I'm so relieved. I'm, like, such an idiot, and I really value you and all these things. And, like, it's not that he doesn't mean it in that moment. It's just, like, yeah, he's relieved, and then he'll get comfortable. Like, it didn't – none of it felt like a deep change or, like, you know, it was, it was, a, it was like an urgency yeah, it's just like, oh, this movie, this movie needs to end. Yeah. It, and like the movie is, I think, um, around like 96 minutes. And I'm not saying that I needed it to be longer because it didn't need to be longer. They just needed to cut some shit out. Like they could have cut some shit out and added some emotional shit because like, I mean, there's some good stuff in there. Like Loretta, what Loretta Devine said. And also, um when Dennis Haysbert's speech about how marriage is a full-time job with like no days off and long weekends. Uh, that's a really great line. It's a, it's a, it's a great speech buried in this stupid movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, like, I really feel like it could have, like, I think this plot could have been a good movie. I mean, you could, and, and you honestly, could go and say like Groundhog Day because it was such a good movie. Like if you just heard the plot, you'd be like, that's absurd, but it was a good movie. And I think this could have been a good movie. Yeah. And um, just like speaking as a, as a, as a black screenwriter, it really annoys me to see movies like this 
because you if you have the opportunity and the money as as a person of color in the industry and you're going to make a film and especially a film that's showcasing like black love in in any kind of way i just think that you should think about it a little bit harder than this like i it it, it annoys me it really does because like this this is actually a really this is a concept that doesn't really happen a lot in like for black characters in movies like there's so many movies about like white guys getting another chance getting do-overs getting getting chances getting like can i do it again can i fix it can i be better can i do this black characters don't necessarily get narratives like that very much and i just think that it could have been it's just a wasted opportunity to really like dig into something it was almost just like like uh, naked feels like to me wow white people can make really lazy movies so can black people and i mean that's true but it didn't need to be this <laughs> right like it's like i think that that's a really good point though about about um his character getting second chances and getting to be the slacker because that is obviously something you see a lot with white men and yeah. with white women now like is the slacker trope yeah like um, you don't really get to see a lot of black slackers and like definitely yeah. not yeah and so especially I, that are supposed to be the good guys you know like yeah. it's kind of either like yeah usually when you see a black slacker he's somebody's friend and he's comic relief it's never like and I mean, but he's never like the protagonist. And the thing is, is that it's really annoying that he doesn't come off better because Scott Foley never once presents himself as a viable option for Regina Hall. No, never. like he's immediately the moment he shows up with the butterfly doors, you're just like, fuck this guy. Well, he's uh, yeah. I mean, the whole time, like, it's very obvious with Scott Foley that he's just mad that he got dumped and that he views her as a trophy and that he just is somebody who's used to getting what he wants. Like there's no feeling you don't even feel like, Oh, this guy's toxic, but he really loves her. You're just like, nah, this guy's an, a piece of shit. And, and with he, Marlon, like you do believe that he loves her. You just believe he's immature. And so it's frustrating that you're not given more. Yeah. And I, I actually to give Scott fully credit, he does get one scene where because Marlon Wayne's like a lot of the mystery of the movie is who put me in the elevator and and how and how did this happen? And when Marlon thinks that it's Scott and like they have a confrontation about it. Well, they're for, they're good confrontation because they have a bunch of bad confrontations after that and before that. But they have one where Scott's just like, yeah, I know that she won't. He basically says, yeah. I know that she wants you more than me. I don't understand it either, but yeah, I had nothing to do with this. Yeah. Basically like I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm mad, but I'm not actually that guy. Like I'm not actually going to try to mess this up. I'm just going to come like peacock and be a dick. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean that's, and that's her dad, her dad invited Scott Foley to the wedding, which is like, what is with her dad? <laughs> yeah, her dad is just like, he's just like a businessman. He's got business to do. He built a company. Biz you know those people who just do business and, and you don't really know where what? It's just like business and I built a business and it's a multi-business and you're like, what? <laughs> and like, they yeah, don't even like, like try to make it a real thing. Remember on can... Bojack when Princess Carolyn was dating those like three kids in a trench coat? <laughs> yeah, it was it, like he was a manifestation of that like yeah and all he did was he went he got into restaurants and bars just by telling people that he works at the business store 
so funny. <laughs> it's th- that's exactly what this felt like with the dad and and with Scott Foley. Ugh. And then yeah, so then um the also the reason that he got placed in the elevator. Okay, so uh, essentially it's we we spend enough time not not saying what this is. Uh basically uh he gets really drunk and Eliza Coop um pays a prostitute to seduce him it doesn't work and the prostitute just actually ends up just like helping him with his vows and then um i guess like i guess eliza like i'm a little hazy on this one part i'm um, yeah on how he got into the the elevator but like eliza puts him in the elevator naked which is like uh but like after after he works on his vows with the prostitute so it's like I don't. I don't understand if Eliza went to the room because she did organize for the prostitute to meet. Yeah, with him. she maybe she organized the prostitute, but the, yeah, that doesn't really explain like the, unless she like stripped him the handoff, like which yeah. is weird. Yeah, it, it does show. It does show. I do remember it shows he had clothes on, and then they kind of slipped off while she was pulling him into the elevator, and she just didn't put him back on. Yeah. Okay. So um, she put him in the elevator. It's like okay, you sent a prostitute, but how did she know that he didn't fuck the prostitute? <laughs> How and did so, she know to put him in the elevator? Because when he goes to his room, the prostitute is still there. And and so, and the the, the premise about Eliza, because I realized we didn't clarify. Because she, I, I was I was I was saving it, which is weird because it's not it's not well. Well, it's she not a good thing. oh, but I mean I mean just like what she, why she's there in the first place. We didn't clarify. She's Regina Hall's maid of honor. Yeah, and she she's is. they were ex roommates, and so like when they were roommates. Um, Marlon Wayans went on a date with Eliza uh, Coop and it like I guess didn't go well and then he met Regina and then they fell in love and then it went really well and, and it went really well and now they're married and now there's this tension because Eliza's in the wedding and she's kind of like so she's kind of snarky to him the whole time and to his best man who's like trying to you know fuck um, yeah I get the feeling that like Regina Hall is in this relationship that's not that great because she doesn't have good friends. Regina Hall really strikes me as a person who does not have good friends in this movie. Oh yeah, because I'm like the only person in your wedding is Eliza and and like she was a great she was great at her role, but her role certainly wasn't didn't seem like a very loving friend. Yeah, they didn't like, seem like she's they trying to mess up her friend's wedding. Like Yeah, it was very much like yeah, it it was very it was very strange to me. But basically um once he's gone back in time enough times and he's figured out what to do and he's at the thing and he's at the wedding and blah 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 shit um they find out that um they find out that basically they're about to get married and then eliza coop is like he slept with a prostitute and then marlon waynes is like no we didn't actually sleep together and well eliza's just like well you know I have photos, which is like, that's not weird. And then he's just like, actually, she's here to vouch for it. And then the and then the lady's there and she's just like, no, we didn't do anything. And I like help with the vows. And he's like, very sweet. And then everybody's just like looking at Eliza. And then Eliza's like, you know what? Okay, I did it. I paid her whatever. Okay. And 
and uh, and her reasoning was that she smelled on the date, and that's why he didn't see her again. Yeah, she goes, I had, I thought we had this amazing date, and like, yeah, it, it was so weird. She was like, yeah, I smelled, but I got it checked out, so I was like, is this about her vagina? Like, I don't know. And then she goes, oh, but you, so now you're just gonna marry and be with Miss Smells Like Flowers over here forever, and I was like, what? It is, it, it's so weird it was really uncomfortable it's so weird i was it so also, uncomfortable with that moment and also could i be crass for a second and say that like i don't feel like there's a lot of things that a white woman could do for somebody to turn her down i'm sorry <laughs> I, I, I was thinking that the whole, i was just like for real i mean <laughs> i'm terrible anyway you said you don't think there's very many things a white woman could do to be turned down? Yeah. I mean... <laughs> I'll just leave that. I'll, I'm not going to go into my we'll life. Just, we'll just, we'll just, we'll just we'll let, let that go. We'll let that hang into the air. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> it's just... It was, it was like a weird... It just, like, with his care... I was just like, what? It also, like, didn't seem like she actually liked him. And Yeah, it seemed like she was just, like, very pettily, like, it's just like, uh, I was supposed to get him, and, like, uh, and you got him. I don't know. The weird thing about this movie is, like, the racial dynamics. Yeah. Because I was sitting there just like, this white woman is upset. She seems really entitled. Like it does seem like a really racist thing. She like she's really entitled, entitled to because this her black, black female friend yeah. got the got the guy that she went on a date with. That's how I read it. Yeah, like, and it, yeah, and it's like I almost feel like if this was like a if this was like a a a, a, a darker movie, she would have been she would have said what I just said a few minutes ago, where it's just like I'm the white woman. <laughs> like why, why would you turn how me dare down? you turn me down? Because that is the subtext. Like I mean, that's how I read it. Was like that was the subtext. That's how it seems. To, that's how it seems to me. Like, cause you know, she's <laughs> conventionally attractive too. Like, yeah, she's they're, like blonde. They're Actually, both gorgeous I, in very different ways. You yeah. Know? And, 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 uh, um, and my boyfriend actually said that she like looked like, looked, looked like the Fox news lady. And I was just like, yes, but don't insult Eliza Coop like that. Like she's like, she's just she, doing well at this role where she's she, acting like she's an asshole. Chill. And I mean, a lot of it has to do with the fact that like most of my interaction with her is her like yucking it up with Damon Wayne's Jr. on TV. So it's like, it isn't like they just like plucked a random white girl. Like this is a white girl who had like been with a, like been like a black guy's love interest before. And so like, for some reason I was less nervous about her being there. Cause I was like, <laughs> it wasn't, you're like, even though she's like a character who's like her character itself is shitty. You're like, Oh, she's fine. Like, yeah, I, I submitted like a weird thing. Like where I was just like, Oh, she's down, which is terrible. And I don't know why I thought that. <laughs> Um, whereas just giving this woman a pass, <laughs> you're like, uh, <laughs> because she, she'd been in an interracial relationship on TV before where I just assumed that she was like down forever. <laughs> like she'll anything. be fine. Like <laughs> she'll be fine. I don't have to worry no. about her. I have to worry about so many people. Like, <laughs> yeah, I was just, yeah, it's like, it, like, I just like, I think I ascribed wokeness onto her and I was just like, just, just so to see her, it was just like, this is what media does to us. It just makes, it just makes us way too optimistic about white people. <laughs> <laughs> that is like, that should be the takeaway from this movie. Cause I did, I, I, I like also had a moment, I was like, oh, she's the villain. Like there's plenty of people that could be villains. 
villains. Like Scott Foley could be a villain, but she's the ultimate villain is like the jealous white woman, you know? Yeah. And if this was a good movie, it would be a critique about white women as much as it would be a rom-com about Marlon Wayans getting a second chance. Yeah. I wish we would have leaned into that a little bit more because like the, the racial subtext is just, it's so there and maybe it's It's, just there to us because we're critical thinking people, but I feel like it would be obvious to other people too. I felt like it was very obvious. And yeah, again, it's hard to know. It's hard to separate when you're like, you're like I I already see things like I'm already ready to criticize and like view those dynamics and then also like read a lot of stuff that's very heavily analytical you know about race and gender and all these dynamics in media but I I don't think you have to be drowning in that (laughs) like drowning in essays to see that in this movie I think it's very clear which is weird because like it's 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 never brought up there but yeah but it's never brought up like like, nobody talks about the colorblind (laughs) casting in that sense where it's like like, yeah the x happens to be white like Like, (laughs) I was like was this so that white people wouldn't say it was racist why yeah why is everyone like white people who are like oh reverse racism there weren't all white people you know why are there yeah why are the two black main characters both have white x's in a sense both like horrible yeah (laughs) i was like (laughs) i mean i'm not saying that's not realistic it is i mean but like why are they both fair i don't get it yeah it's very weird i know that it's i know that it's generally a trend in black comedies i mean black comedies as in comedies with black people to make fun of white people in some kind of way and oh man one time i saw like best man holiday with the white guy and he was so mad at the very mild white jokes in best man holiday like he was so angry so i mean i always love that um it's a good litmus test to see who like needs to chill out on themselves who needs like, to chill who out needs to but stop taking themselves so seriously because i've never the thing about it is is that most black most comedies with black people have white jokes but the white jokes are never that bad ever really no it mostly just makes white people seem funny and it's if you want to know if you want to see a country really, really portray white people badly. Watch a Bollywood movie with white people in it. <laughs> Cause they think that yeah. they make white people look like clowns, like, like real for real clowns. And it's fucking great. But like it, it, black people, the way that we make fun of white people has always been really tame. So it's always been strange when people get upset about it because it's just like, when Weird. they're like, hey, I like mayo. That's offensive. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Just are, calm are we, is, down. You're proving all of the fragility that people are poking at. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. It, okay. So that was Naked. Uh, it's not good. Don't watch it. I haven't seen Groundhog Day. Uh, what? I have not seen wow, Groundhog Day. Wow, roles reversed. Um, I feel I'm like not- it's always the opposite where you're like, yeah. And then I'm like, oh, I haven't. But. Groundhog Day is great. Everybody watch that. Yeah, watch it. I'm, I, sh- watch, I should also watch, watch it. You know, watch something good with Marlon Wayans and then watch Groundhog Day yeah, maybe instead of don't, watching maybe this. Maybe don't watch Requiem for a Dream unless, you wanna, unless you're yeah, prepared that's a to tone. be really sad. But he's been good in other things. You can watch him in other things. Go watch reruns Honestly, of the Honestly, watch Wayans him Brothers. in literally anything else. Yeah, anything. <laughs> it will be better than this. Definitely. That <laughs> That is my opinion I will stand by. Um, okay, so uh, for the next two episodes, Bronwyn and I decided that we're going to be doing Sex in the City and Sex in the City 2. Sorry, so. not sorry. I just finished <laughs> Sex in the City for the first time. Uh, and... 
So we are just going to dive into that world. We are. Of the movies. We're we're diving deep for the next two episodes. So um, follow us on Twitter at Bromance Podcast, at at Bromance Pod, at Bromance Pod. Okay, got it. And you can email us at tellbadromance at gmail.com. Uh, tweet at us, please rate us on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes, rate us on iTunes. We love you. We want you to love us back. We need Honestly, this. we're just, yeah, <laughs> this like we really do. We are comedians. So, you know, we, if you have an hour and you just need to feel like you're hanging out with people without having to interact, you can listen to this and hear about some movies to avoid. Yes, yes, yes. And also, like, we might be getting, like, a theme song pretty soon. So yes, that's exciting. Yes, my friend Andy Slater. Check him out. He's he's great. Um, he is a musician and a DJ in Chicago, and he offered to make us theme music. So keep your ears open for that. I have a feeling it will be premiering in the next one of the next few, few episodes while we're still on Sex in the City. So Yes. Yes. All right. Well, um, I've been Bronwyn Isaac. And yeah, and I've been Jordan Searles. Have a good night or day. Bye.